Hey everyone, Gavin Hess here with episode two of the High Root Gear Shed podcast. Today we're going to be talking with Riley Willits from uh, from Blue Ice. Um, he's going to be yeah telling us a little bit about the history of Blue Ice and give us some insights on on the future as well and where they're headed. Um, Blue Ice is a pretty exciting and new company on the on the block as far as ski mountaineering and climbing gear goes and. Here at the High Route, we've really enjoyed uh, a lot of their products over the years, and a lot of us have been purchasing Blue Ice products for a long time. So uh, we're excited to review some of their gear as well as get some insights um, from from the folks over at Blue Ice as far as their design ethos and and kind of the history as well as where they're headed next and some of the gear that they're working on now. Um, so yeah. Uh, enjoy listening to our conversation with Riley and don't forget to check out uh, the high root the hyphen high hyphen root.com where we'll have this podcast posted as well as uh, some reviews and and a forthcoming uh, visit to blue ice sometime in October uh, where we'll get to check out some of their prototypes and 3d printed gear as well as the rest of the line see what they're up to down in salt lake all right enjoy the interview riley you want to just introduce yourself let us know how long you've been working at blue ice and what you do there yeah uh my name is riley i work here at blue ice north america which is based out of salt lake city and i've been here for not super long going on just a about six or seven months, I think. So still getting the kinks going over here, but it's it's an exciting place to be. Yeah, awesome. And what do you do at Blue Ice? So there's only four of us in North America, and I work on the sales and marketing side. Um, but since it is such a small team, a bit of everyone gets to chip in just about everything. So um, from product development meetings to manufacturing meetings to supply chain to then even just going to the local shops and then figuring out stuff like this it's all kind of under my wheelhouse or something that i get to be a part of just pretty unique for such a niche company right yeah it's cool how how small um you all are over here and how how does that compare to the the rest of the team over in france um how many folks are over there at Blue Ice? Yeah, so like I said, we've got four here. We've got two designers, engineers, and two people that are myself and one other that work on sales and marketing. And then in France, they do, they have, I think about 20-ish people that cover the rest of the business from, they've got five, they got three soft good designers, two hard good designers, um, manufacturing team we manufacture the ice axes ice screws and crampons all in lejuche and then um then we have sales and marketing there they have about probably six people in that department but the head honcho here giovanni was in town a couple days ago explained to me how it worked and he was like for every department they have two people because they get to have summer vacation and so for one person to be gone, they have one person to be able to take their spot for a bit of time. So it's a bit more, I wouldn't say overstaffed, but it's definitely a beefier staff over there. And you don't you don't have a backup for when you're on vacation in the States? No, it was, <laughs> I'm heading out of town next week to go to New England to visit some shops and stuff. And it's like, I was like, man, who's going to, because I also do a lot of the shipping here with some of my friends and I'm like, who's going to be shipping packages while I'm gone? Like, <laughs> and so I've been having to schedule with a bunch of friends. Like I believe, you know, Zach little, he'll be helping me out shipping, but it's like, who can I juggle to get to take over my spot? <laughs> Catching Zach between trips back to the Tetons to be a weekend climbing ranger. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm psyched to get into that uh, dynamic between the 
the French and U.S. offices and the different work that you're doing. Um, but but to rewind a little bit, can you just tell us a little bit about kind of the how and why of Blue Ice? Um, I know when I met Giovanni a few years ago, he got into it a little bit with me, but I'm, I'm interested to yeah share that with folks. And it seems like cool story and good intentions behind the brand. From what I've been told, it started, I believe they were called Light and Fast, and they were based out of this gentleman who's now our CFO, Alberto's Garage, and they made what I believe may have been one of the first or the first ascent plates, so like Billy Goat plates or the off-tribs we see now. They were just manufacturing those in his garage in Chamonix, and at the time, Giovanni, who's our current president of the company, was working for Gravel um, as an engineer there. He was, went to engineering school on the East Coast here in the States, and he was just fed up. He wasn't enjoying his time at Gravel anymore. And so he decided to leave, and he had met Alberto at trade shows, and he and Alberto came together, and they sewed, or I guess sewed and manufactured what was the first Chukas harness. Um, which was kind of revolutionary because it was the first harness that was right around that 100 gram weight. Um, and that was blue ice for the first couple of years. And then uh, after a few years of making the harnesses and finding success, and they were just able to go skiing and go on expeditions over in France and go, I think they went to Pakistan a few times skiing. Um, Alberto and Giovanni reached out to who's the director of North America here, Bill Belcourt. Um, Bill Belcourt is kind of a mini legend in the alpine climbing world. He used to climb with Mark Twyatt and Alex Lowe, and he worked in at Black Diamond. He did two stints there. The first one was from sometime in the 90s to the early 2000s, in which Bill left Black Diamond to work for and Stark, what became Gravel North America with Mark Twite. And they ran Gravel North America until, I believe, around 2007. And then during this time, that was also when Giovanni was working at Gravel. And so Bill meets Giovanni, and he's a younger, more excited guy that's just able to make stuff and has the financial backing to keep doing what he like he's able to make the stuff without consequence which was really cool and kind of unique and then bill left um gravel north america came back to black diamond it was the category director for their climb category for i believe 10 to 12 years in which he made their ice screws he made all of their ice tools crampons i believe the modern ultralight cam as well, just a bunch of products that, and um, uh, the hooded carabiner that Black Diamond makes and the Magnetron, a bunch of different things that there and then. All the good stuff that got discontinued. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all these little niche things that you don't, like when, you know, when I first got into climbing eight or nine years ago, I was like, these are, it's it's really cool being able to work with the guy that, owns the patent to it is like whoa but um yeah and then when black diamond got sold out to new york or wall street um, they became a publicly owned company they started making products that bill just wasn't excited about anymore and it became harder and harder and it eventually led to him getting the boot and once he got the boot from black diamond giovanni swoops in and literally in his paraglider (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And then they started, well, at first Giovanni just wanted to buy a company. He was interested in buying, for example, I think Metolius was something they had looked at. Um, And then Bill and Giovanni talk, 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 talk. And in 2017, Blue Ice North America is founded. And at that time, Blue Ice is still kind of just making that Chukas harness. Um, And I believe... They and at that point they move all their design team to the states. So they have a sales office in Chamonix or in Lajuche, and everything is being designed here in North America. So the Blackbird, Ice Axe, the Bluebird, Hummingbird, Aquila, all the crampons, 
are designed or were designed here in Salt Lake City. Um, and then at this time, another key player, this gentleman named Manu Ibarra, I think is how you pronounce his last name, who we consider him the mad scientist. He's the one that made like the G20 for Gravel, all the machines, dark tech, however many machines they make now. And then Manu was tired of Gravel, so he came over to Blue Ice as well. And so for a time, it was there was Manu in Chamonix tinkering with his things. And then the whole design team making backpacks and all of our stuff is was here in North America. And then fast forward to about 2020, Bill has a friend who also worked for Gravel, um, but was a really great Alp, was a great Alpine climber and had a history and was an or is an engineer named Maxime Turgeon, who at the time was the head engineer on the Agita Midi. And Bill talks to Max, and the goal becomes to get Max, Max T, to become one of the head designers here and move the move our soft goods. It started off with backpacks, but has also evolved into a harness design back to Chamonix. G really likes, or not likes, but he really likes and wants to have Blue Ice be the Chamonix brand that it was in the beginning, and so. Max T finishes building his house and then he quits his job on the Agita Midi and he works in quality for a bit for Blue Ice and he's moved up now. He's the head of design over there and just kind of uh, the one leading the general direction of our soft goods department. So for harnesses, the Alpine runners, slings and backpacks. I love the idea that he he went from heavy machinery on the Midi yeah. to making these amazing ultralight. It's, so yeah. he he has a. It was funny. I I was very lucky and got to go over and meet everyone pretty early in my tenure here. And when I went over there, I was like meeting everyone. And you know, you go home, and you're like, hey, and I wonder who these. You know, they all seem super cool, and I wonder like what's the story behind these guys. And so I like you're talking to your coworkers, meeting different people and Max T like the only thing I could find or the only thing people would say about Max T was like, look an alpinist, look an alpinist. So I finally just looked up up an alpinist. It's like, man, you, he spent most of his early twenties and I think he's his early thirties Alpine climbing in Pakistan and Alaska. And so he's, he was, all, he was a user first. He was a Gravel athlete, which is how he met um, Bill and Mark Twight back in the day. And if you listen to Mark Twight's podcast, Nonprofit, he talks about Max T in one of the recent podcasts he did. Um, but it's just like when he made the Cuesta harness, it was funny. Uh, apparently no one thought he was going to be able to figure out how to do leg loops. Like leg loops were kind of a hard thing at the time for him. And then he f somehow found a way to do it and not only do it where it is a working product, but do it in a way that it is actually a successful product and is, I think, quite comfortable. And so it's like we've we've learned to never doubt Max T, to say the least. Were leg loops an issue in that he wasn't wearing leg loops while climbing, Swami belt style, or or he just was having trouble figuring out the design? <laughs> just figuring out how to design, like, um, you'll notice in the Cuesta harness, the elastic loops go further than anyone else's elastic parts or elastic the, for the fixed leg loops. And no one really thought that was a, a design of any worth at the time. It was like, okay. no one else does this. It's not worth our time. And it's turned out to be, I think, pretty comfortable for myself, at least, and successful as a harness for us in the rock category. It certainly seems that way. <laughs> Hear good things. I would say the current state of the offices, to wrap it up, is North America. We have uh, Bill Belcourt still and a gentleman named Mike Allen, who also worked at Black Diamond. And they developed, they made our ice screws, the all the ice axes, crampons. Crampons, Manu works with as well. So you could say it's a hybrid of the two offices. And then... 
we're working on uh, ice tools in the future. And so that's been the big project recently here. And then over in uh, Lejeuche, they are manu they're designing and manufacturing all the hard goods there, but then designing the backpacks, harnesses, and the alpine runners and slings and those, um, we call them, or I call them the certified gear because I have to ship them a little bit differently than anything else, but all the UIAA like slings and alpine runners and the hydra leashes, the different leashes we do and stuff like that. And that's all manufactured in, in Les Uges. The backpacks and slings are manufactured, I believe they're man manufactured in Vietnam or the Philippines. And then all of our hard goods are made in France. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, that's very cool. Can you tell us a little bit about that um, product development and prototyping processes that you're going, going through in the, in the States, either like a past project or if you, if you can share maybe some, some about the ice tool development process as well. Um, I'm sure folks would be psyched to hear about that. It's um, a pretty f interesting and fascinating process. And I think because we are American and French, um, I guess a good current example would be for maybe either October of next year or January of 2025, we have a ice tool coming out. And it's been really cool because one of the more recent progresses in tech is that we can 3D print a lot of the stuff. So like Mike, the designer of the tool here, he can take five hours, print out an entire shaft, see how he likes the geometry, see how he likes the grip, print out another grip, pull it out, play with it. And then over in France, we can 3D print with metals. And so it's nowhere near as safe. But like, I guess that's the biggest caveat. And we really struggle with telling our athletes this and our gear <laughs> testers because over in France, Jocks, who is my equivalent and my coworker over there, uh, who handles the field testing, he'll give athletes these tools or crampons that we're developing and they're just 3D printed materials. So they're not actually designed for body weight. They're strong. They're probably about 25% of the strength that UIAA requires. So it's no, it's like, it's not gonna be production worthy in any anytime soon, but everyone's so excited when they get the product and everyone goes and uses it. One of our athletes, Martin Elias, uh, we have a 12 point crampon we're working on. And it's like, we were out over in France and he was like, this is the best thing ever. And he has this just janked up, terrible looking, overused 3D printed crampon and you're like, <laughs> And Yikes. I'm staying there with Bill and Bill goes to me, he should not be doing that. And I've told the French they should not be doing this. But it makes it so that we're able to, you know, you can, you'll never be able to get the same, you can't get the same weight. In fact, it's typically quite a bit heavier um, or the same performance as you would get from, say, a um, actual production or metal forged and worked crampon. But you're able to take it out that day or the next day and actually get to use it in the field and see like, okay, does this bale fit right? Does this heel clamp the way I want it to clamp? And when I torque it one way, does the angle of the cramp on or does the, um, I want to say feathering, but that may not be the right word of the angle of each side. Like how does it affect the way that it walks? Um, does the length of this one middle point give you enough braking power so that for example, if you're guiding and someone falls, you're able to catch them in an adequate amount of speed. Uh, or like with the ice tools, you can kind of get the weight right, but you're able to feel like, does it get the right flick? Does it get the right swing that we want from the tool? Um, and you can, another nice thing is that our good friends at Petzl, they make, they sell all the individual pieces for their tools. So all we have to do is make a shaft that's compatible to like test having a real pick or having pick weights and see different weights and geometries and such. And we can make it so it changes the way the Petzl stuff works, but it makes it so you can actually have a real pick and pick weights to see if that's something we're actually interested in. We want to go a different way. And I guess on that point too, 
one of the coolest parts about the North American office is that one of the my coworkers here named Matt Oakley is a really great developer of machines that test things. And so we're able to, like we have January 1 this year, we have our new Harfang Tech crampon, which is essentially that like a dark toe piece or a monopoint toe piece with a Dyneema strap and a heel. Looks like a lot of the rest of our Harfangs, just a monopoint. And we're able just to test consistently, like we have this machine we call where we dubbed the Jiggler. And all it does is it takes that front point and it just presses with one kilonewton of weight until just to see where the failing point is. And so we're able to test each individual point to see how strong it is. And then we do it to every other brand's crampon and compare the strengths to each and every one. And it's like, okay, is the product we're making even, not only is it a competitor, not only does it pass UIA certifications, but is it worth competing? Because like the, I'm going to forget the name of it, but the Black Diamond Monopoint. The Stinger maybe? Yeah, the Stinger. Like Bill Belcourt and Paul O'Doo, who are both now Blue Ice designers, are the ones that design that crampon. And so they're like, the minimum we have to do is make our newest crampon better than the last one. And then the same thing goes for like the G20 because Manu developed the G20 over there. So it's like, is our product even worthy of being on the market? Like, is it even something that, like we, we don't have any interest in making just another, like another Irvis hybrid or just making another crampon that weighs the same, functions the same. We're, we want our product and what we're doing to be pushing the for, pushing the sports further in a way, but also be unique and our own interpretation of it. Because it's not that hard. I mean, even I'm not I'm not an engineer, but the crampons that are out there are good are good. So why would you not make like why would you make something that's just good again? I think that's like when it boils down to what is the goal and the mission of blue ice and what we're creating is to because everyone that works here sans myself has worked for one of these other companies and so the common goal has always remained the same for all of them in that they want to keep furthering the sport and blue ice is you know the, the success of blue ice whether it's a company in 10 years whether it becomes like a legacy company like gravel or petzl doesn't quite matter as much or as long as the product that we're producing is actually worthwhile. Like when you look at the long line of crampons, like if you go up to Teton Mountaineering and you see all their old tools on the wall and stuff, and or you go to someone's house and they've got their old gear from the 90s, like can you see progress between each and every single one of these crampons, ice axes, slings, and even backpacks in the, in the same light, like, are we moving these products forward? Absolutely. When you are looking into which categories to expand to, because that seems to be a consistent thread with, with Blue Ices, starting with harnesses and then or really, I guess, starting with the ascent plates and then move, moving and, and growing into all these different categories, um, who and how are we are you setting the the tone or the direction i guess um for those new categories that you're expanding into the first example i'd use would be like our ice screws so bill is the bill and mike designed them here in the states and um the first thing you look at is okay here's what they've created in the past here's what the black diamond express ice screw is and so you know one thing is that that's cool is Bill still has a few ideas up his sleeve. And so it's like with the ice screws, he'd already thought of ways to make it lighter, place better, and like more user-friendly in the past. It was simply going in and making sure that he can execute that with the new, with the new standing that he has. And so like looking at every other ice screw out there, like one little thing that we did differently was we completely color coded the screw. Like not only is the knob color coded like on the petzl screws, but also the hanger itself. And so, you know, that's one way to make it a little bit more functional and better than the previous gens. And then, 
you know, you can make the way we they did the ice screws was they were able they made it bigger so no one else's screw can place in our hole, but we can place in all of their holes. And then you make the walls thinner because you can the walls can be made thinner. Oh, if there was a certain gauge Bill had told me, but I can't remember what it was. So I'm not going to try and say it, but like you can make it a thinner and thinner material. And so they just found this this the balance points of thin and their strength and then made that the diameter and the bore of the screw. And then playing with tooth design was also a thing that they'd been thinking about. And so for one, for some categories that we'll be going into in the future and we currently are in, like you can definitely see it's just kind of the next gen for those designers going into from their previous work at other companies. And then another way, which is, Kind of interesting, but also unique, I think, is that like with the Alpine runner, for example, you know, there were there are and were rabbit runners and that was a thing. But it's like, you know, they weren't super functional. People weren't act, weren't that psyched about them. They were kind of just another accessory you could buy. And I would say ours are in a similar vein, but it's they've definitely started to catch on. You can see like they're lighter. They're a little bit more user friendly because we're able to like, you know, you go out in the field and I'm sure you have the same thing. And you're like, man, if this were just a little bit different, it could just be tweaked a slight bit. And, you know, we don't have, so like with the Alpine runners, we are like, you know, we can, we can make this better. And quite frankly, I think a lot of climbers and skiers and especially people that go backcountry skiing with lighter kit probably regularly feel that, if they can just, if you could just tweak this a little bit, like for me with my, when I first started ski mountaineering or, you know, whatever you want to call it and started using crampons, I was like, man, these Irvis hybrids never fit my boot that well. They would, they fell off once when I was scrambling with some friends and I was like, man, this is kind of unfortunate. It's like, oh, if I had just tweaked this a little bit, like if the bail were just tweaked a little bit. And so, you know, you go, my then vein was I go back to schema and I buy the different bale that Petzl sells and I make it work and I find ways, but it's like through using and understanding what you're using, you're able to be like, we could tweak this a little bit. And then another way and the final way is you, you can just find holes in people's lines and find like with our, for example, the Aquila ice ax that we produce or the hummingbird, I guess is a better example you can't climb or really use an aluminum pick for anything. Like it's just kind of there for self-arresting, which is a very valid role and is a great thing to have. But, you know, playing with different materials, what if you made that aluminum ice axe into an aluminum shaft with a titanium pick? Because titanium can still puncture ice and you can climb with it. Isn't The hummingbird isn't the best geometry for climbing or anything, but it's something you can do with it. It'll still grip I, or grip rock better than aluminum will. It's like, you know, why not make your lighter ice axe out of titanium and give it actual function rather than having this decorative pick on your walking stick? You know, that is a whole category where you look at the Aquila, you know, the goalie is, I'd say, the benchmark tool for a lot of what people that will probably listen to this and do and what a lot of us do. And I, and it was funny because when I started here, I used goalies with uh, pick weights. Cause I was like, man, they just swing so much better now and I can climb a little bit faster and it's just so much better. But you know, what if instead of adding pick weights, you simply made a little bit heavier tool with slightly better geometry that can actually climb a decent rate and technique rather than taking something that wasn't designed taking something that it wasn't designed to do and making it so it does it a little bit better. I think the Aquila weighs 320 grams versus the goalie's like 280 something if I remember correctly. But it's like boom, bump it up a little bit and you're rocking and rolling. And yeah, it's a little bit more weight. And you and you get a spike. Yeah. And Bill made fun of me for it because he was like, for the weight you're bolting onto your pick. Like I was literally giving the the tool the weight that it didn't have before and making it a way about as much or almost as close to the Aquila. And it's like, 
And I thought I was being so slick when in reality, you know, you can just pick a different tool that's better for the job. And, you know, I, I fall in this in a similar boat to you where like the reason why I love the Petzl Pure line is because it's so cheap. Like I can compare it to the to the rad line. So I'm thinking about financially it's cheaper to buy gullies and add to pickways. Was like and I was like, or you just buy this one axe that yeah is a bit heavier, but you know, 40 grams, and I used to joke about this when I worked at Schema, I was like, 40 grams is not eating a burrito. Like, you can take and, like, that weight can be lost in other ways. And so it's interesting. And I, that kind of falls in line with some of our ethos as to you can make anything super light. The trick is making something super light and functional and durable. And so, like, one thing that is like, I think something that we think about regularly when designing new products here is that how can we meld those three principles? And I think that, you know, and I'm looking behind me because the product line is here. I'm like, most of our products fall into that, into that idea is that, you know, they're, they're functional, they're lightweight and semi cost effective for what they are. Yeah. It seems like you all are doing it pretty darn good job on on all three of those those categories in my mind do you view or does blue ice view themselves as uh headed towards um or trying to compete with a brand like petzl or edelrid or gravel as far as the sort of breadth of categories like i think of of petzl as someplace where you can go and get almost anything um and and blue ice at this point is more like you have your niches that you do really well and i'm curious if if there's plans to kind of continue to expand into all those niches to have a kind of complete to some degree product line yeah, I would say, and we regularly talk about it here and we debate about how we are going to do it. Like there is and our plans to move more deeply into a rock line and clearly we're going to have, we're moving more into that more ice or alpine category as well and creating more of a breath. I think though, and, it's, and Petzl's a really cool, like, and I think, Petzl's a really cool, small, still family-owned company. Like they make, and the fact that they're able to make everything they do is a huge testament to how they've been running their business for a long time. And then when they merge with Simon, like they just keep going. They're 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 a really awesome company, and I think that we will continue to grow. Um, and we're definitely going to spread our roots into different categories although i the play the stopping point for us is and it's been decided a while ago is clothing like we have work we won't do clothes or anything like that and i think the closest thing that we get to that is our backpack line and you can see our backpack line is kind of a planning routes in different categories as to where we want to go so we've got you know the yagi and our ski bags and then we've got like our fast and light ski bags but then we've got our rock climbing bag and stuff like that so all these categories are definitely places we plan to go i just i wouldn't expect blue ice to become like you're not going to go to rei well one we just aren't going to sell at rei but you aren't going to go to one of these stores and get a set of regular blue ice nuts for example if we move into a category we're looking to like i said before continue furthering that category in different ways and i think that we've been able to see and know where those weak points are or not weak points but just simply where innovation hasn't been seen like the ice screws ice screws have been the same for over a decade and you're able to make tweaks, innovate in certain ways, and then boom, you've saved tens, 20, 10, 20, sometimes 100 grams just by coming into a category that hasn't been changed in forever. When can we expect to see blue ice carabiners? <laughs> <laughs> um, it is It is not, it is on the way. Um, you know, it's 
Max T was over here. We had a meeting about it, but it's no, it's not that close. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not that close. I like to think that it is, but I would say it's not that close. Three to four years, probably. Okay. Which is not that far, but it's not that close. Can, uh, can, can people stop buying magnetrons from Black Diamond on, uh, on eBay from Mountain Project for $60 a piece, or should they keep hoarding those? <laughs> I don't think the magnetron will come back. Funny enough, in that meeting we had, uh, Bill did bring his magnetron collection. I was like, of course, <laughs> like, of course you have a collection of these, and of course you want us to look at these while we're talking about this. When we do move into that category, you know, it's going to be that the, the, like I said before, lightweight, durable, um, and hopefully, or, and it will be not, I mean, it's a carabiner. It's not going to change the world, but it won't be similar to probably anything else out there. Right. Um, and we've got, you know, Bill helped develop the wire gate for BD years ago. Uh, Manu helped, like you were, you were showing, I was reading the article you published yesterday about the, um, propel devices. And you were talking about like that mini super light Gravel locker. Like these are all things the that, plume. you know, we were luckily all a part of creating or not we, but Manu and, uh, the people that work here. And so Manu has definitely got crazy ideas, which hopefully some of them never see the light of day. <laughs> but, um, you know, these, it's, it's just like working and being in like the hall of fame because you just know that they're thinking about like, you know, how can this can be a little bit different? And even now, like Bill doesn't ice climb or climb as much as he used to, but he's still using like, you know, it's, we all come in, we'll go to the rock gym or we'll all go skiing in the morning. And it's like the first time I met Bill, we were skiing or I was skiing with uh, some friends up above Alta on the Emma's Ridge and Bill's almost 60 years old and he's just getting his laps in. Like we're all still looking at the product that we're using and make, how can we make it slightly better? And, but with respect and understanding of what's come before, because quite frankly, the stuff, I mean, like I said before, the stuff out there is really good stuff. Like it is truly the golden age for ski mountaineering, rock climbing, like, and we've, there are so many different options. And so I think I am proud and psyched that we take such a calculated approach because they, it would be easy to, if you could make a carabiner and sell it in a year, that's not hard to do, um, for company. Like we, the factory that makes our crampons can just throw in a little carabiner thing, hot for some carabiners, get it going. Like it's, but the calculated and more thoughtful pursuit is a is I think a, it's appreciated by all here, and you see that when we go to Europe and you go or I, and I go up the Gidamidi and you see so many people using the harnesses or you see pe like the Alpine runner, like I'll go out climbing in little cottonwood. People are using Alpine runners or the sling. It's like people appreciate and they and I think that they can understand and know when a product is more thoughtful. Absolutely. And you can usually tell who's thinking hard about their gear when I know like at yeah. XM, like almost everyone that's, that's really like diligent or into their gear is, is guiding the Grand Teton in a Chukas Pro or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us have started using the Alpine runners as like rappel extensions and tethers. And it was, I spent some time this summer up there and just going up to the lower saddle, like it is exciting to me being getting to be a part of the brand and and seeing it go to the future. Like we're in a really bright spot right now. I'm super excited about it. It's like, you know, you go up and you see a backpack, and when you're going up the grand, harnesses are everywhere, and like you said, the Alpine runners, and just seeing the excitement surrounding it is like. And I'm lucky enough; I do all the after sales and work with customers and. Um, all the warranty stuff. And it's like, quite frankly, the stuff doesn't break that often. And if it does break, it's like something super simple that you could either fix at home or like, I'm happy to send you, or if your backpack rips, send it back here and we'll get you another one or fix it up for you. Like 
it's the and so seeing so much out there, I'm like, man, it's so it's nice to know people are getting gear that's gonna last. Like it's not just another BD Blitz backpack that you'll that you're super psyched because you got it for like fifty bucks and you're running up and on day five it's gonna rip. It's so it's <laughs> it's cool and I think and like you said, it is reflective. I don't want to say like judge people by the gear they use but that's not what i mean by at all but more in the fact that like the thoughtful gear exists like in a world of really good gear the way you separate yourself is by being thoughtful and a little bit more calculated absolutely do you all in the states carry um parts for most of the products so say somebody breaks a buckle on a backpack or uh needs a crampon piece or something like that is that stuff that you are are carrying um for for warranty purposes or replacement purposes purposes one of my other jobs is i do all the warranty and so for example if for some reason and i haven't seen this like if anything breaks on your harfang crampon or on your backpack like you said buckles or anything i have every spare part imaginable I try to turn it around in one to two days, but everything you need, I'm trying to think there's one thing unique recently. I think it was someone. Yeah. So like one thing that's become super popular is people will get the Harfang Alpine crampon, which is steel toe, steel back. And they're like, Oh, can we, can I get this aluminum heel instead? And like, as long as I've got supplies, like I'm happy to get people whatever they need the coolest part about the platform and Petzl does it too, is that it's like, it's like adult Legos. It's like you just Legos. sit there and you can piece together different parts. This, yeah, the strap is universal between all of our crampons. So you're like, if you have, if you have a pair of Harfangs and you want to make Harfang tour, the all aluminum one, just order and send us an email, text me or not text me, but <laughs> call the office and send a message, email or whatever. And, you know, I, if I have it, I'll send it to you because that's the way I talk to the French team over there in manufacturing is by, Hey, I'm out of stock on this. People want this, send me more. And so the more I can get out the door, the more, the more stuff I get to play with, which is always good. Yeah, that's huge. I, I just had a experience with, uh, uh, ultimate direction in which they, they don't sell and didn't have like a nubbin for a, for a water bladder hose it's like the little rubber bite valve and i'm like mm. do i have to buy a new water bladder because <laughs> i lost the nubbin <laughs> and and i think that's one thing like like i said before we're not a huge company and so like we're not able to be like patagonia level environmentalist and like be able to provide all these things but in our opinion by simply making a super durable piece of gear that you can fix and replace without having to buy a whole new thing. Like that's, and that's like, I think the biggest way in which not only are we being more user friendly, but also, you know, able to be a little bit more uh, replaceable. And yeah, absolutely. For us, because we're not, so like one of the brands I've previously worked for is Scarpa. And there's Scarpa Planet, which is the European side. And then there's Scarpa NA, which is a totally separate entity that chooses what they want to buy from Scarpa Planet. And then they resell it here in the States to us, which they do. You know, I'm a huge Scarpa fan. I'm very, I love all their products. It's great. But like, you know, you look at their website, like all of last year, you're like, man, I really want to try that F1 XT, or I really want to try this rebelle running shoe with a heel bail thing that you can use crampons with a running shoe like but they just don't sell it here and one of the coolest things about us is because we aren't a separate entity other than the fact that there's like the north american office and then there's the european office like we we will sell whether it's you know it's if it's going to sell well here in the states or if it won't we we will sell it to you and if i have it out of stock we will get it. Like there are no, well, the way we don't do this product or this, it's like, we are going to carry it all so that if anyone wants anything like from our eight bajillion million Harfang models now, like 
we have every single Harfang out there. We have every single ice axe and every single backpack, which I think is really cool. Yeah, that's huge. It seems like uh, shoes, both Sportiva and Scarpa, are are the the biggest nightmare with that. Getting your, you know, whatever climbing shoes they discontinue in the states or don't offer over here, and then you're on some sketchy Euro website that says they won't ship to the states, but maybe they actually <laughs> will if you send an email and. <laughs> I used to be on that bill where I'd be looking at one of these sites and I'm like, all right, I'm going to order it. And then like my credit card would say that it wasn't a safe website. And I was yeah. like, I just want these running shoes, like or yeah. the <laughs> ski boots. Like it's not, not buying anything illegal, right? Totally. All right. Last question for you. Yeah. Whatever happened to the ascent plates? I think the ascent plates, so they were all handmade back in the day in the garage. And I think it was just such a pain to create. And, you know, you can, it's kind of having a revitalization of the market, I think, with off trip. But, you know, there's verts here and they're made in Salt Lake. And that's one of those products that you quite like, you, yeah, the off trips are carbon, but now they're a million bucks. And so it's like, you can innovate on this product, but you aren't going to be able to make like for us it was just the, the pricing didn't work out and i think that when the harnesses were doing so well and then we moved on to the chugas light and, and the chugas pro like you know the harnesses are not only some like they just work so well and we were able to make them innovate them so quickly like you're able to just you know bring your harness back out rip out the stitching if it or however safe it is, change it up a little bit and go back out and try it. Like, and we still do that with the harnesses even today. Like it's, it's, it's pretty cool. But the, the Ascend plates, I think were they died with Alberto's branding of fast and light, which I think is a sweet, sweet brand name, but yeah, sadly we're no longer that. The, uh, I've been, I've been contemplating Ascent plates a little bit lately because I think, if you could make a pair of ascent mm -hmm. plates that uh, you could get on and off without taking your crampons on and off, that's the future. Yeah. Pass it on. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, I will, I'll, I'll let them know. There were plenty of days last year here in Salt Lake where it was like everyone, cause we had so much snow, everyone was busting out their ascent plates. And I remember three of my old coworkers all went out with three different models of a scent plate. Like one had Billy Go plates, one had verts, one had off trips. I think another person had some weird foldable sign that they'd made that like worked as a folding ascent plate that strapped on with volet straps. And it was like, this is getting kind of ridiculous, guys. They're just snowshoes. <laughs> but it's cool to see such a niche category getting such attention. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like that's where the the market is headed. Um, and you mm -hmm. all maybe played a role in starting that of just being like, we're going to make the best harnesses and that's it. And then as we can make the best stuff mm -hmm. in these niches growing, growing beyond that. But, but I really appreciate the, uh, the thoughtful design and nature of how you all are growing and, and, uh, adding to your offerings while still doing an amazing job with every, every category. I'm excited to see what comes in the future and looking forward to seeing the ice tools hopefully soon. And, uh, and yeah, we'll have, um, demos of the tools this winter at different, I'll be at different ice events and people will be able to play around and check them out in the, still in the sampling phase, which will be pretty cool. I, I'm, I'm really excited about it. 25% strength or full strength. <laughs> no, these will be full. They'll be full strength, but they will be untested. And so you have, it's funny. You have to put a big red thing on everything that's not certified yet by the UIAA that says not for climbing with skull and crossbones. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it's the, it's the final design. Like they just haven't gotten the certification, but if you ever go climbing with someone from the office or especially someone from the French office, all of our gear has these big red school and crossbones on it. It's like, <laughs> it's because they can't resell it. 
And so they, you know, we just get it. Right. I've seen that a lot. Like skis will say like photo shoot only or prototype not for mm-hmm. skiing. And you see people skiing really hard on them and you're like, oh, <laughs> is that going to be okay? <laughs> yeah. Well, definitely keep an eye out for 3D printed crampons and always say no because they're not that safe. Yeah. <laughs> They may look cool Noted. and unique and they may look futuristic, but they are not that safe. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Well, awesome, Riley. It's been great uh, great chatting with you and, and learning about the Blue Ice brand. And thanks for your insights. Um, yeah, I think folks will really enjoy this. And I'm really looking forward to getting some of this gear out on the snow uh, coming up pretty soon here. Thanks, Gavin. This is sweet. Awesome. All right. Cheers, Riley. Cheers. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Riley Willits from Blue Ice. Check out uh, the the-high-root.com. And uh, we really appreciate any subscriptions. Um, these podcasts are free, but but making podcasts is not free. And, and all the content that goes with it uh, takes a lot of time and energy to create and we are making this stuff uh, for you all the listeners and subscribers to the website and so yeah we really appreciate your support and your subscriptions oh alien you're a beautiful alien but you got a boyfriend that you brought back, that you brought back from the seventh dimension. Oh, alien, you're a beautiful alien. But you got a boyfriend that you brought back, that you brought back from the seventh dimension. Oh.